0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Glamour, fear less. Diabetes late night. to rock the red carpet and welcome you to Diabetes Late Night, a delicious blend of music, expert advice, and real talk to motivate you to glam more, fear less. So thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedek, and tonight we're showcasing the music of superstar Jennifer Lopez. This fabulous actress, singer, fashion designer, businesswoman, judge, mother, and fashion icon is inspiring us to talk about what red carpet dresses at the Grammy Awards we'd buy, borrow, or burn. So get ready with those matches. How your body image affects your overall health, from the long-term effects of yo-yo dieting to the dangerous repercussions of an eating disorder called diabulimia. Great ways to rock your curves on the red carpet. And finally, can the way you look really improve the way you're treated from your healthcare professionals on your team? My guests include the Charlie's Angels of Outreach, Katherine Schuler, poet Lorraine Brooks, Mama Rosemarie, and the founder of We Are Diabetes organization, Asha Brown. All night long, I'm in the DJ booth spinning my favorite Jennifer Lopez songs, courtesy of Sony Music. You could go to iTunes today and download Jennifer Lopez's greatest hits. Now, Jennifer Lopez is known for her amazing looks on the red carpet, and in her honor, I thought I'd kick off the show by giving you my Glamour Fearless and my Glamour Hot Mess looks of the 57th Grammy Awards. I'm going to weigh in right now at the beginning of the show. In my Glamour Fearless column, these are the ones I loved, are Taylor Swift, Jane Fonda, Katy Perry, Ariana Grande, and the man who makes Diabetes Dazzle on the red carpet, Nick Jonas. Although I have to say that the uh, Stormtrooper snow boots he was wearing kind of wrecked the outfit. But overall, I love Nick Jonas. In the glamour hot mess category, oh these are the dresses I just did not like. Lady Gaga, I, a lot of people thought she was inspired by to look like Jessica Rabbit. I thought she kind of copied Jessica Simpson. It wasn't a great look for me. Uh, Nicki Minaj by Tom Ford, I thought she needed a stripper pole. Beyonce and Jessie J, I thought were wearing drapery. And Kim Kardashian's Gautier outfit, I thought she stole Liberace's house coat. And unfortunately, I have to call out two of our diva inspirations uh, from last year and this year. First is Miranda Lambert. She wore two different outfits, and they were a mess on the red carpet and on stage. And then second, Megan Trainor was a train wreck. That dress looked like it belonged on one of the Real Housewives from Atlanta. So if you didn't think I could get a little bit uh, – Evil, you're wrong because the Happy Healthcare host just ripped out his talons to give you his ideas of what's a 411 on fashion. So, before we get things started, if you like my attitude and you want to chime in, you could always go to our Facebook page. But why don't you take a minute right now and donate to DivaBedic at org. Your tax deductible contributions are greatly appreciated. We're getting ready to kick off more Late Night in a minute. But first, let's hear another song from our diva inspiration, Jennifer Lopez, from her album Brave from 2007. Listen, I never met a man like that.
2: No. I never felt so bad. Alright Jennifer, thanks for that vote of
1: confidence. We've been doing it well for 10 years and this is going to be our fifth year anniversary of our Diabetes Late Night Podcast. Thank you for making us one of the most popular podcasts on the Blog Talk Radio Network during this hour. You know tonight we're starting our stuff talking about our glamour fearless attitude and all the different ways beauty and fashion can impact the way you manage your diabetes. Did you know that while she was promoting her book, True Love, that's her first memoir, uh, Jennifer Loeb has admitted that um, the reason why a lot of her relationships didn't work out was because of low or lack of self-esteem. I know a lot of us might find that hard to believe. That such a confident celebrity, especially one who looks so amazing on the red carpet, would struggle with self-worth. But Jennifer says that she felt unworthy of true love. How does your self-confidence affect you? and the relationships in your life. You know, a lot of divas think that fashion is a form of self-expression and it actually could help you boost your spirits as well as your self-confidence. And later in the show, I'll be talking to Katherine Schuler, who is the founder of Runway the Real Way, to get the scoop on how she thinks it could boost your spirits. But other people, like Jane Fonda, who I thought looked amazing in that lime green jumpsuit, said that she was taught As a small girl, that everything about her was based on her looks. Her father thought that the the way she looked was all that mattered. She said that unless she looked perfect, uh, she didn't feel she was going to be loved. And that left a lasting impression on her body image, which ultimately resulted in a decade-long eating disorder, which I'm going to talk about later on with my guest, Asha Brown. Now, Joan Ravers made a living out of making fun of fashion. Of course we miss Joan Ravers so much today. And she's one of the best critics. But she said in her one of her books her beauty tips for create, were creating your own spotlight. She knew that the magic of glitz, shimmer, and shimmer for any woman of any age could really work and help them bring out their beauty. She believed that a sequins wrapped sparkling sc- uh, scarf or a statement necklace, like the one Jane Fonda was wearing, could change the drab into the dazzling in a snap with no change of clothes necessary. Now, if you want to express yourself, I said, go to Facebook and let me know what you thought about my comments, because guess what? We're going to get ready to play Buy, Borrow, or Burn with a woman who loves to express herself, and that's my first guest. Please welcome Lorraine Brooks. Hi, Lorraine. She's here. She knows she's taking notes right now.
2: Hi,
3: Mac.
1: How are you tonight?
3: I'm very well. How are you?
1: I'm good. I I know. I heard you you were watching the Grammys. Did you watch the Grammys?
3: I watched part of it. I, I turned it off at about ten thirty or eleven o'clock because I'm an early riser. But I, I did see enough of it to um, to uh, voice my opinion about a few things.
1: All right. So let's play my favorite fashion game: buy, borrow, or burn. This is where we look at the dresses out in the red carpet and we decide which ones you would buy, which ones you would borrow, and which ones you would burn.
3: Well. I like I, I liked what Jane Fonda was wearing. I thought she looked terrific for a woman of her age and um I think that, you know, as as a person who's getting older myself, I, I like the way that she's been carrying herself lately. Um and um it was good to see her and it was good to see her looking well. But so by buy or Jane Burn Fonda. I would buy Annie Lennox's sequin jacket and those skinny slacks she was wearing. I thought she looked absolutely terrific. Um, I wish she hadn't unspiked her hair, but that's okay. Um, I would borrow Lady Gaga's dress, but only to wear to a Halloween party. And I would absolutely burn, you're talking about women, but I'm going to throw a guy in here. I would absolutely burn Pharrell Williams' suit with the shorts and that horrible bellhop outfit he was wearing when he was singing Happy with those dancers. I thought he was just the most ridiculous looking thing I had ever seen.
1: Well, you know, I agree with you on that one. I think Pharrell was just – I don't know. I mean, he tries to do something. He did the Mountie look like two years ago. Now he's coming back with the the little Boy Scout thing or whatever. I thought it was a little strange myself. But Lady am – I'm, I'm going to write him a letter. It ain't worked for you, Pharrell. Awful. Okay, here's my buy, borrow, burn. I'm using, I thought I'd use cast members to tell you who I'd buy, borrow, and burn for. So I would buy – Katy Perry's dress for Katherine Schuler. I think Katherine rock that dress, and I love that dress. And I, she would be the one I think could wear that so well. I would borrow. I'd go to the the backstage of The Voice, and I would borrow Gwen Stefani's um, Versace jumpsuit, and and let Asher Brown wear that. I think she'd look amazing in that. And I would give. Mama rose a torch, I would give Patricia some lighter fluid, and Lorraine, <laughs> I would hand you the match <laughs> so that you collectively could burn Rihanna's dress.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: because I like that she looked like a cupcake rather than a tart, but I, st- <laughs> I still think it's a, it was a difficult uh, dress, and if anyone could pull it off, she was probably the one to do it. I just thought it was like too much dress for one occasion.
3: Well, I, I, I have to agree with you there and um I it's interesting that you would give me the match. How did you know I was a pyromaniac? I don't think I ever told you that.
1: You didn't. But you know what's so interesting about this tonight is we're 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 looking at fashion as a way to build self confidence. I know you've been doing some workshops around just the way people look and how how our healthcare professions handle you know, treat them. Do you really uh, what was coming out of some of that dialogue around just the way people look, and it could be anything from their age to their gender to their race to you know dressed up or dressed down. Uh, do you feel there's some disparity disparity around how people are treated in the healthcare oh, system? Absolutely.
3: I was talk I was teaching a class this afternoon about uh, cultural sensitivity or cultural competency, and uh, one of the things we talked about was making snap judgments about people based on how they look. And that could be, um, it could be how you look in terms of your cultural background or your racial, um, you know, the way you look racially or the group that you belong to. It could be an age-related thing. It could be a weight-related thing it could be the way you dress it could be the way you wear your hair i showed a couple of pictures of a of a young black man who had braids in his hair and they thought one thing about him and then there was another picture that i showed them of an overweight middle-aged white female and they had certain opinions about her and this was all based on just the way a person looks so i think that and i was talking to a group of uh healthcare students they were uh, um, students in um, um, uh, diagnostic medical imaging, like sonography. And I was telling them that, you know, healthcare. care, um, a lot of times the, the attitude of your healthcare provider can be either helpful or hurtful to you if they're making certain assumptions about you just based on the way you look or the way, you know, some superficial characteristic about you. And you'd be doing your patients um, a disservice not only the ones that you that you are making poor assumptions about but you can also be doing a disservice to the ones that you're making good assumptions about because you might be wrong about that too and you might therefore not ask them certain questions or not, you know, uh, recommend that they get screened for a certain disease if they look a particular way. For example, you you can't look at someone and tell whether they have HIV or AIDS. And you might overlook that if you don't think that the person belongs to a group that you might traditionally associate with with that disease. So, I think it does make a big difference the the, the judgments we make about people and how we therefore um, treat them, not just as healthcare professionals, but just in everyday life.
1: Well, you know that it's. I think it's even more horrifying when you add to it the judgment already associated with a diagnosis of diabetes. I mean, so many people uh, have these judge people specifically more with type 2 but i'm sure everyone would agree who's living with type 1 and we could ask asher brown a little bit later on the show most people the general public doesn't really know the difference between type 1 and type 2 they they kind of prejudge everyone on it so the idea that you're already feeling judged by your family friends and coworkers around the diagnosis and then that you could be actually going into uh your health uh center and feeling and and having what you said happen would kind of it's almost two strikes against you right off the bat.
3: Uh, I totally agree, and I, I've experienced that myself, um, you know, in terms of people looking at you and deciding uh, that you're not compliant or that you're not doing the right thing or that you are lying when you say you're doing one thing when they, they don't believe you because, you know, the results are not showing up the way they think they should be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I you know, I've experienced that firsthand, and I try to use, you know, Max, I always try to use my – my personal experience to inform other people because i i have had many of these things happen to me and it's not uh, you know it's not to say that sometimes you can't assume things about people just from the way that they look but 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 we should be really really careful when we do that and i think um it's important to ask the questions and not just make the assumptions
1: and i also think it's important the other message is that how you look does matter and it's you know if it takes five more minutes to get ready in the morning or a little bit more time to put you know quote unquote put yourself together it's worth it based on the positive side of what you were talking about as well now that you're trying to um become something that you're not but being the best of the best version of yourself and and taking a minute before you leave the house to really uh it just makes you feel more confident if you're dressing up, doing your hair, getting things ready. I I feel I I do feel like when I dress better, people have a different opinion about me. So that's oh, my absolutely. Feeling.
3: And you know, I mean, I think it's we we all have to look as good as we can, uh, given whatever our circumstances are. And you shouldn't feel bad badly about yourself just because you may or may not think that you look better or worse than the next person. Because I think it's really important to be the best you you can be. And um, so, you know, uh, I always, you know, have a fresh manicure and I try to keep my hair trimmed and the, the, the kinds of things that I like to do to um, to make me the best me I can be. And I don't have to look like J-Lo or anybody else. I, I can just look like the best Lorraine I can. So I, I totally agree with you, Max. Totally. And that's
1: why we're looking at the red carpet, because these are famous people who have a whole team around them to make them look the best that they can be, and that's the spirit of the show tonight. We're looking at fashion obviously from different sides tonight and how it could be positive and negative, uh, a positive and negative impact on your health. Uh, we heard about Jane Fonda on your love life and Jennifer Lopez. It could impact so many parts of your life, but specifically tonight we're going to be talking more about diabetes. And I know you wrote a poem for us about the red carpet.
3: Well, I did. <laughs> and it's a little uh, not like most of my other poems it's, it it's it's just my sort of take on on looking your best and doing the best you can do and i call it wear it well grammy this and grammy that does this outfit make me look fat sing your song while wearing leather looks like you have it all together glitz and glamour pearls and gold try not to look like you're too old Makeup, swag, and knee-high boots. Dye your gray hair to the roots. All this fashion, I declare, it doesn't get me anywhere. Red and blue and black and white. Honey, your dress is way too tight. Madonna's still cool by all reports, but why did Pharrell wear a suit with shorts? Fashion is good if it's done okay, and it's good to do it your own way. I wear what I like. In color and style, I want to look in the mirror and smile. If it makes you feel good, I say wear it and grin. Put on the things that your body looks good in. I'm not much of a slave to fashion, but if I'm gonna wear it, I'll wear it with passion. So, whatever your style is, go for the top. Keep shining your colors and don't ever stop. Develop your polish, come out of your shell. And whatever you're wearing, keep wearing it well.
1: As Jennifer Lopez said, you're doing it well. That's Lopez. right. You really that's I love that poem. Thank you for sharing, and we'll put that up on the Diva blog tomorrow and send it also out in our newsletter, which you could register for at divabedic.org dot org. Lorraine, did you know uh, do you know anything about our Diva inspiration, Jennifer Lopez tonight?
3: I know she's from the Bronx, and so am I, so I'm already her sister.
1: Oh, my God. L- R- Lorraine, you're from the block. Well, I am. You know, she's Jenny from Rodeo Drive at times, too, because she's dance, she's pop, she's R&B, and she ha- she's hip-hop. For her, it was all, it's all about embracing all of those things musically and emotionally and putting it all into her li- lyrics and her sound that makes her so unique. Let's take a listen to a song from the Bronx.
2: About Jenny and the Block.
1: to Divey's Late Night, and I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedek. My next guest is keeping it real, just like Jenny from the block. She's the founder of Runway the Real Way, and she's also Diva Bedek's image and style advisor. I've had the pleasure of working with this lady for over almost 10 years. Please welcome to the show, Catherine Schuler. Hi, Catherine. Hey, Max. How are you? 10 years. Wow. Um, I'm so glad you're here with us tonight. You know, you you host uh, fashion shows every week in New York City, so you must have been watching the Grammys.
4: Oh yeah, I was glued to the set. I <laughs> I thought it was one of the best Grammys ever. I just really I loved Sam Smith's um, speech about you know he didn't accept he wasn't accepted you know by the industry, and then when he just started to be himself. Um, it, you know, the music just flowed. I mean, that's my mantra. You know, be yourself. Everyone else is taken. You have to really appreciate your differences. Celebrate yourself for your uniqueness. And fashion helps you with that self-expression.
1: I love that. All right, so let's. We're going to talk about the trends first, and we'll talk about what your choices for the Grammys were. And then I have some big questions I want to talk to you about as going going on in the fashion world right now. So mm-hmm. I I think one of the biggest trends they were talking about at the Grammys was Taylor Swift and the fact that her
4: shoes didn't match her dress. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, I like the, the pop of color. I like that the contrast. I like the fact that it's unexpected and it's not matchy-matchy. It's just the dress. I mean, if I were a, a to like that? an armchair. Yeah, it's like um, volume. I, you know, she's a tall slender woman and you know that that probably is fine for her but imagine she looks that big in that dress somebody like me who's a size 18 I've got to keep it a little more like a, like I would wear Katy Pear. I wouldn't wear the purple hair but I like that a little closer to the body because the more volume you have the bigger it makes you look and, I, I mean, that little piece out of the middle, that was the, so that you could see her shoe. And it was all about the contrast of the shoe. But I like that part. The only part about that dress combination is that it has a pop of color. It was that beautiful raspberry color with the turquoise and the teal worked uh, amazingly well. And, and, and that was the new neutral, actually. The You know, the beige shoes and those... Um, uh, gray shoes and things like that that we thought were neutrals, they're not neutrals. The neutrals are the pops of colors now. You throw them on and it makes everything just ju- just come together in a new, fresh way.
1: All right, now let's talk about um, curves on the runway because sometimes it seems appropriate and sometimes it seems way too much. I personally thought. Nicki Minaj in that Tom Ford dress was like over the top. It just was too. There was too much going on. I'm curious how women who might be uh, have bigger chests or bigger um, derriers, for lack of a better word. How
4: do you how do you work <laughs> those
1: curves and still look like you're at an award show and not going to uh, uh, scores or some kind of? Well, line?
4: yeah, and you know, Nick, and Nicki's all about that. I mean, <laughs> did you like that dress? I uh, no. I uh, that's not 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 a great dress, uh, for I, I feel it's just a little bit too over the top, but because it's by Tom Ford, everyone's like, oh, it's so elegant. But you know, a deep plunging V and you know, a bootylicious, a, a very tight dress, you know, she's she's Nicki Minaj, she can pull it off. People expect that of her. If she wore a little frumpy gunny sack, we would never, ever buy the fact that she's this, you know, over-the-top, Gatling gun, you know, um, woman well, with a you big look at Kim,
1: You look at Kim Kardashian, who's known for her curves, and she was in that gautier kind of cape, jacket, coat, that, you know, looked like it was going to open at any minute and just reveal her <laughs> naked body. And you wonder, like, <laughs> how you know, I mean, what? You know, and then I think of um, Melissa McCartney at the um, Golden Globes in her half homemade outfit that just looked completely yeah. ridiculous to me. So I mean, like when you look at uh, women with curves, who's doing it the best?
4: Uh, well, obviously Queen Latifah. She's she's our uh, she's our go to gal every time. She's knocked it out of the ballpark. But you know Melissa is she's she's more of a twenty four now she's twenty two twenty four so those curves she has are really uh, are not curves they are um, something to to contend with they're differentials they're they they're a lot bigger than just Queen Latifah's curves and i think that you know melissa's getting dangerously big and i you know she's going the chris farley route and i you know that's it, she's just getting too big and i'm in the plus enough club and you know it's not a question of if it's, it's a, question a question of, when, of when, and when and everyone says oh gabby Sibide does it whatever i bet you guarantee melissa does not know her numbers and when she gets to be my age she may have prediabetes or even diabetes so I'm all about being funny and fat and funny and all that is great, but I'm worried about her health as I see as she's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and Badgley Mishka put her in a gray dress. I said, please, what are elephants' colored? Gray. What do you put a, a, a large woman like that in a gray dress? It was just a cruel joke. Alright,
1: well now what do you, since since
4: you brought up plus size, what do you think about
1: uh, model Ashley Graham? She was just featured in a string bikini in the pages of the annual Sports Illustrated issue. Her photo is an ad for actually swimsuits for all campaign. It's the beginning right. of having more plus size models featured in the layout. But, you know, you just said it. You know, when you plus size has a positive and negative side to it. You were just talking about some of these plus size women uh, like Melissa and uh, Gabby not knowing their numbers and not really, you know, uh, taking care of themselves. And here, you know, when I look at Ashley Graham, I swear she's thinner than half the women I see walking down the street every day. And exactly. she's a plus-size well, model. Yeah. Right.
4: Oh, absolutely. And that's fantasy, fashion, no matter what. I mean, fashion is all about fantasy. So a woman like that is, a, a you know, a regular, real, normal woman. I mean, I think she's got a 46-inch hip. She's got a 38 chest. She's got a 30 waist. Um, she's a 16, but she's a straight size 16, you know, who wouldn't want to look like that? She, you know, and she's healthy. She works out. Um, If we had to buy our way into sports illustrated with an advertisement as opposed to a layout and an editorial, that's okay. Because we got in, we got our foot in the door. And I, and I think, you know, there'll be more things like that where, you know, they could have turned that ad down um, and they didn't, they took it and it looked great. And, uh, there's a lot of buzz. I mean, it's got 60,000 views, you know, on, uh, the Facebook page. So, you know, whoever, whoever sees that says, you know, and I go for more of an image like that because that's a healthy plus size. That's something you can maintain. You're not going to go to the Melissa McCarthy, um, look, and you're not going to go to the Gabby zibaday look uh, that those, those, um, women I worry for them that, that's the only thing because I, I had no idea when my endocrinologist told me I was pre-diabetic and I had to lose 40-50 pounds to you know 20% of my body weight whatever and I did it and my numbers lined up I was grateful that I saved it off because when I had the stroke I I could have a much quicker recovery so yeah, I'm in the plus enough club Max it's it, you know it's one of those things where we eat better we exercise when I grabbed a, a snack today, I had a green drink and it was totally nutritious and it was low calorie and and it satisfied me and it did my body good. So I I I go for that. You know, I I just really feel like it's about choices. You can eat what you want, but you just have to change what you want. So, um but the, well, you the know, Catherine. I mean, you're you're a huge different.
1: ambassador with your runway, the real way of showing women a beauty of all sizes. I've done a lot of what I would consider plus size fashion shows and beauty shows with you, which I really mm-hmm. enjoy because I feel like uh, the primary message I see backstage is a lot of women who never felt uh, pretty about themselves in any way, and I'm using that as a general term, pretty, suddenly have are are being in the spotlight, and you just see them come alive. But then, like you just mentioned, you see these uh, women who are size 20, 22, 24, up to 28, and a lot of people criticize you for uh, glamorizing uh, obesity. So, you know, Mm -hmm. then you see these women who are obese who think now they could start these modeling careers. But the truth is, like, going back to Ashley in Sports Illustrated and how her body was proportionate, these these larger size women still have to have a proportion to them in order to go into modeling. Correct?
4: Absolutely. There's just a lot less modeling gigs for them because when you see them in the frame, the manufacturers don't want to feature them because they they're they're afraid that the, the women are going to look at that and say that's going to make me look that large. But because of the social media, they're getting their own following. Look at Tess Holiday. She just got signed by Milk Management, and she is a size 26. And she has 600,000 followers. And whether or not she is the quote-unquote norm for the fashion industry or not, she's made her own road. And uh, there's a lot of women who applaud her for that. Uh, I just... Don't want. I I think that women are applauding each other because it's they're not stopping themselves no matter what, no matter what. So that's the good part of it. I just worry that they don't know their numbers and that they're that they're. Come on, girls, get as big as you want. We got clothes for you. That's not the message that that it should be tampered. And I'm all about that. And being a little older now. I can say it because it's it, it's one of those the, those uh, credos where it's like oh be yourself be whomever you want to be, but you still have to know your numbers and you still have to you know you have, you have to rein it in. That's all, all right, there now, is Catherine, to it because
1: I, I want to wrap up with you, but I have one more question. I just I'm, I you know you're so positive and I love everything about you. But when we're talking about physical appearance and how it could improve your health care, it really you had a very specific experience around why dressing up in a healthcare situation uh, improved your treatment. Can you just tell us a little bit about that?
4: Yeah, after my stroke, um, I had to go into rehab and before my heart operation, and uh, I was in rehab every day getting my strength back and my mobility back, and when I, you know, I found out when I wore Glamour Fearless t-shirts or when I wore a beautiful jogging suit, did my hair and makeup, that everyone looked at me like she's getting out of here. She knows what she's 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 working towards her recovery and her rehab. And the orderlies, the 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 rehab people, Tammy, everyone always commented on how well put together I was, and they treated me so much better. And they knew that my in my mind I was on the mend, that I looked like I cared, and that I took a, a, my appearance. Seriously. And, you know, there I wasn't going to show up with drool on my on my um, hospital gown. Oh, no. I went down to rehab and I and and I think my brain even triggered it. It was like you're getting ready to do something positive for yourself and then you're going to you're going to be successful and you'll be out of rehab. And I think I've had colds that lasted longer than my rehab. Max,
1: Amazing. All right. So tell everyone how they could find out more about Runway the Real Way.
4: Oh, i got a great Facebook page that I update on a moment-to-moment basis. I've done over 60 shows. I have thousands and thousands of pictures. So just go to the Runway the Real Way face page because that's the most immediate way to uh, find out what we're doing. And we're doing a a show at the Museum of Sex for Valentine's Day weekend and Fashion Week weekend. So that's the venue that I'm working at this weekend. So here's called Fifty Shades of Fashion.
1: I love it. Well, you know, our Diva inspiration, Jennifer Lopez, is the only woman to twice be voted FHM's sexiest woman in the world. Let's take a listen to one of Jennifer
2: Lopez's latest hits.
1: How does Jennifer Lopez who's not living with diabetes help us talk more about diabetes well we're going to get real right now and have some real talk with the Charlie's Angels of Outreach please welcome Constance Brown Riggs hi Constance
5: hi Max how are you
1: fantastic thanks for walking the red carpet and Patricia Addy gentle from Atlanta hi Patricia
2: hi Max how are
1: you I think you were just adjusting your um, stocking, right? Was that it?
2: <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> All right. So um, we've never had a Latina as our diva inspiration. Constance, you wrote a book, Soul Food um, Pyramid, I believe it is. Uh, a lot of people well with the,
5: <laughs> the African-American Guide to Living Well with Diabetes.
1: And inside of that was the soul food pyramid, correct? Exactly. (laughs) Thank you. All right, so Latinas, you're thinking about cultural food. A lot of times, I'm just going to start right here, rice and beans is a big part of their diet. When they're diagnosed with diabetes, they think they can't have any of that, and you're a registered dietitian. You've written written several books. Um, What do you have to say?
5: There's no food, really, that's off-limit. It's more portion control. And so for that Latina or the African American that may love rice and beans or peas and rice, whichever way you want to phrase it, it's a a matter of monitoring the portion and typically counting grams of carbohydrate. And they'll find that they're able to incorporate their ethnic foods into their meal plan and, you know, as I say, live well with diabetes.
1: But the actual initial feeling is that these foods from their culture have been restricted now that they have diabetes, and it seems to me a lot of people get turned off about their care and choose not to even want to take care of it because you're taking away one of the the biggest comforts in their life. Have you ever dealt with that?
5: Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, um, it tends to be quite the opposite with, with patients that come into my office because I find myself often giving them back the food that they've taken out of their diet and that they've been miserable with. You know, as one gentleman said to me, he said, Please, I don't want to experience death before I die and so that's that's part of my goal, to to let that person know You don't have to experience death before you die. Having diabetes does not mean that you have to give up your ethnic foods. Let me help you. I will show you how you can incorporate those foods into your meal plan and still maintain good control over your diabetes. You know, of course, one of the things is someone with diabetes, it's a lifelong disease. And so it's not a matter of saying never ever have those ethnic foods because that's not going to work.
1: Okay, and Patricia, I was reading the headlines before the show. Gestational diabetes disproportionately affects pregnant Latinas. In fact, Latinas have a greater predisposition to all types of diabetes and a one in four chance of, of being diagnosed with some form of diabetes in their lifetime. What is gestational diabetes, and why do you think they're such a, um, they are disproportionately affected by it?
6: Well, Max, gestational diabetes is a form of diabetes that occurs during pregnancy. Uh, With the extra weight and extra insulin resistance, the blood sugars start um, uh, being out of range, and that is considered gestational diabetes. But if it is true gestational, it only occurs during pregnancy. And once the pregnancy is complete, Once the woman delivers, the blood sugars are back to normal. However, these women do have a higher risk for developing full-blown type 2 diabetes once they have delivered and need to lead a totally different type of lifestyle when it comes to their eating habits, their exercise, getting the pregnancy weight off, and all of those things that uh, put them at a higher risk.
1: Well and I remember that Latinas don't a lot of Latinas and I'm talking in general terms everybody but if you wanna criticize me, go to my Facebook page. Uh Latinas don't even a lot of Latinas don't even know they have diabetes when they get pregnant.
6: Exactly. And and that is one of the things I feel that kinda elevates those numbers or increase the numbers. Um, a lot of women are categorized as gestational diabetes when they truly have type 2, even prior to the pregnancy. But because of a lack of medical care, a lack of being evaluated prior to the pregnancy, they aren't aware of that particular. Um, so they get categorized as a gestational diabetes patient when they actually have type 2 diabetes because they were unaware of it.
1: All right, and um, Constance, you heard me talking to Catherine Schuler about curvy women. Certainly Jennifer Lopez is known for her curves. You know, these women who like... Patricia's talking about could be live, walking around with type two diabetes. They're told to go on a diet. They don't really. Sometimes they don't want to seek out medical treatment. They just start looking at their favorite doctors on TV. One of them is Dr. Phil. He just came out with a diet book called the 2020 Diet, which claims that you could have 20 foods over 20 days and you could lose weight. What What do people do with this information? And as a registered dietitian and a certified diabetes educator, what do you just want to say about these kind of these books and what we're seeing from the doctors on TV.
5: Well it, it's unfortunate um doctors have what I call uh, the doctors on TV have a bully pulpit and so it it's quite easy for them to uh mislead the public, and particularly uh, women, you know, that are desirous of losing weight, and they'll hear, you know, if it's a doctor Phil or whoever the doctor may be, then they think automatically that it has to be sound, it has to be something that I could follow. And the truth is, um, in this book and in many of the other diet books, there it's just a reinvent, if you if you will, uh, um, you know, just hashing up the same thing over and over again. So his book, as other diet books, starts off with three phases. We've heard that before in terms of three phases. And the first phase, of course, is really restricting food. And any time there's a diet that restricts foods, the red flag should go up. That's an indicator that this is something. and, And because it's a phase, they realize that it's a problem. It's something that you can't follow over a very long period of time. Most people won't, and in other cases, if it's extremely low-carb in that first phase, it can be dangerous to many individuals. So, again, if it's limiting, you know, 20 foods, 20 days, red flags should go up. This is not something that can be sustained over a long period of time and definitely not something that a person with diabetes should be looking towards.
1: Okay, and, you know, um Patricia, you're a registered nurse as well as a certified diabetes educator. A lot of people read these books, they they lose the weight, then gain it back, lose it, gain it back. I think of Kirstie Alley when I think of yo-yo dieting. She started the year, she reached her goal weight of lost 50 pounds, you know, in many cases again. What do you want to say about the long-term effects of yo-yo dieting?
6: Well, yo-yo dieting is kind of hazardous uh, for the overall picture of your health. And um, a lot of the health care experts are saying that it's better to maintain the extra weight than to lose it and to bounce back between um, losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight. The Heart um, Association also agrees with that, um, that it is better to have a higher weight than to yo-yo diet. When you yo-yo, the the, uh, insulin Secretion is affected. A lot of people agree that yo-yo dieting can be a risk factor for the development of diabetes. I don't know exactly how valid that belief is, but I do feel that it does contribute to some insulin resistance.
1: Well and Tom Hanks kind of talked about that when he disclosed that he was living with type two diabetes on David Letterman last year and mentioned that because of the weight loss and weight gain from movies like Castaway where he lost weight and then a league of his own, of their own where he gained the weight, that contributed, he thought, to his type two diabetes. You know, all this talk about food is making me hungry. We're gonna get we're gonna come right back and play snack attack, but first Patricia, did you know our Diva inspiration, Jennifer Lopez, is the first actress to have a movie, The Wedding Planner, and an album hit number one in the same week? Well, let's listen to a cut off her second album, J Lo, which was released in two thousand
2: and one.
1: Okay, just open the cupboard, and Constance, it's time to play Snack Attack. Is it totally whack, or is it a smart snack? Cheetos just released their new product, Sweetos. It is a really colorful package. I'm kind of looking at it. It's like an <laughs> Easter uh, Easter colors, and it's cinnamon instead of cheesy in flavor. Um, it looks kind of tempting, I guess, and uh, I'm interested. Is, what do you think of Cheetos? What, I mean, Sweetos, what can you tell me about Sweetos?
5: totally whack <laughs> that sums it up actually um it's it's more unfortunately in my mind more fake food and and we want to get people into eating real food satisfy your sweet tooth with strawberries dipped in a little bit of chocolate 2 grams of carbohydrate not high at all um sweetos is uh, again uh you know it's not even promoted as a healthy snack. They recognize that. It's uh, an alternate to Cheetos, except it's sweet with a little cinnamon taste. For the person with diabetes, if they should choose to indulge in it, the important thing is to count the grams of carbohydrate. Um, But my vote would be to just totally keep it out of the diet completely and go more towards real Whole foods, more fresh fruits, and there are plenty of um, ways to make those fresh, fresh fruits nice and sweet to satisfy the sweet tooth without a lot of artificial, you know, chemicals and and things, you know, that it's totally whack. That's all I can say, say Max. <laughs> no, I
1: love it. And I, but you brought up an important point. A lot of people, I think, with diabetes, look at the sugar. Uh, grams. They don't look at the carb grams. You kind of mentioned that quickly on the back of this package. Why, why do we look at carb grams?
5: Well, it's it's really the total carbohydrate that's going to impact one's blood sugar level. Um, you can look at a package. Um, I'll use maybe pretzels as an example. And um, I don't recall the exact grams of carbohydrate, but, but let's say there's uh, 31 grams of carbohydrate, and there may only be one or two grams of sugar. So that's totally, if you're only looking at the sugar grams, that's misleading and you're going to get an unexpected bump in the blood glucose levels because you're thinking there's only 2 grams of sugar that you have to be concerned with when, in fact, it's the total 31 grams. So sugar is part of the total carbohydrate. And I know oftentimes people will quote numbers as to how much sugar should be in the diet and so on. Um, As I tell my patients put it very simple. We all know things that are high in sugar that we shouldn't be eating large amounts of, cookies, cakes, jellies, candies, you know, whether you have diabetes or not. So we don't have to get hung up on, on the sugar so much as looking at what the food item is and then looking at the total carbohydrate.
1: What do you recommend to people who do, you know, they, they have a misstep, you know, they're going along great. And, you know, I hear this all the time, like one That snack leads to more cravings and more snacks, you know, so, you know, they screwed up yesterday, I was at the office, and actually they had a big bowl of peanut M&Ms on the countertop, and I had to wait for a while to go in, and I was, I ended up having like three handfuls, which kind of like, you know, threw me out of whack, and it just seemed like I wanted more and more sugar the rest of the day.
5: And unfortunately, sometimes that does happen. Um, What I encourage my patients to do is, you know, immediately after that to try to have more of a higher protein um, meal or snack, and that can help to lessen some of that craving for the sugar thereafter. Also, um, uh, just to throw out from the psychological perspective, One, as I call it, dietary indiscretion does not mean, you know, it doesn't define your whole week or your whole month. So we always have to put those things in proper perspective. There's three meals in a day, seven meals in a week, and how many, uh, sorry, seven meals in a week, three meals in a day, seven days in a week, 21 meals. So, you know, put it in proper perspective. And if we look at the same thing, if you're snacking three times a day, healthy snacks, if you have one snack, one dietary indiscretion, it's not the end all. You just want to, you know, get back on track after that. But sometimes it can, you know, you, you can have this almost insatiable desire for, for sweets. And um, keeping the carb on the lower side, taking in a little more protein will help to calm that down. As long as there's, you know, it's not a problem in terms of insulin or anything else that's going on
1: great advice you know our deep inspiration jennifer lopez recently wrote her memoir true love in which she explored one of the most challenging periods in her life as an artist and a mother she confronted her greatest challenges and identified her biggest fears and ultimately emerged as a stronger person than she's ever been before let's take now a listen to a song that i think is all about rebirth And I want to dance, and I want to dance with the founder of We Are Diabetes. It's a wonderful organization. <laughs> My next guest, uh, she's been on the show before. Please welcome back Asha Brown. Hi, Asha.
7: Hi, Max. Thanks for having me again.
1: I couldn't imagine hosting the red carpet without you.
2: <laughs>
7: <laughs> alright
1: so you watched the Grammys and I, uh, Little Bird told me that we don't agree on the on our favorites for the fashion so first tell me what did you like on the Grammy red carpet
7: well the ones I would buy the ones I would absolutely buy and then probably alter a little bit on my own because I'm a control freak um, I loved Megan Trainor's dress I love the lace I love the classiness of it um, I am not uh, a big fan of the cutout design dresses that are out there. So I liked that it was a real dress. I just I well I don't understand what's going on with the answer. <laughs> I disagree with
1: you. I disagree with you on that. I So you wouldn't wear we Miley Cyrus's dress.
7: I wouldn't, no, I would not wear that. I would throw that in the trash.
1: And what what else did you like? You like Megan's, which was
7: I, I like Megan's. I I really actually loved Gwen Stefani's. Yeah, suit, Which we, you mentioned for me, so we're on par We're on the same thing here.
1: I could so and see you rocking that, Asha. I would I, love it if
7: I get my hands on that. I will wear it. Um, I'm two that, for two actually. people
1: because I Catherine Schuler said she would wear the Katy Perry, and now Asha just backed yeah. me up that she would wear the Gwen Stefani.
7: I will take fashion advice from you
1: any day. <laughs> All right. Well, now I want to take some advice for you because, you know, you're the founder of We Are Diabetes uh, organization. This is, um, you've been living with diabetes, type 1 diabetes, we should tell everyone, since the age of 5. And then, like we mentioned earlier with Jane Fonda, you've had, you had a history of um, an eating disorder, but yours is related to diabetes. And, you know, when you look at the red carpet and we talk about fashion asha it's kind of interesting that jane fonda admitted that she at the age of 40 began a 10-year struggle with um, bulimia and then also lady gaga recently came out and admitted that she has struggled with anorexia and bulimia and i'm sure since you were you were were raised as you were a a dancer as well as an actress in your early childhood and, and early adult life uh this ha- your your sense of body image must be heightened because of the career path you chose. Is that true?
7: Oh that's absolutely true. And I I would say that anyone who says that they that their body image wasn't affected if they're in this industry is is lying because you have to look at yourself. You have to be aware of lines as you dance. You see, you know, I mean the, the, when you are rehearsing and performing um, the more in shape you are, the the more abilities you can gain and um seeing yourself on screen can be a really difficult thing, and it makes you start uh second guessing yourself and putting a lot of self judgment on on what you see
1: but you know dancing is really a sport, so I find this so fascinating because obviously everyone wants to be thin, 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 and yet the way you would go about it, and we're going to talk about diabolemia in a minute though would make you weaker. So I don't even understand, yeah. you know, a, a appearance overrides how you felt. I mean, when you were when you were dealing with this and dancing, did it affect your performance? I I mean, I assume it would. I'm just wondering. I
7: assume it would too. And I think I know. I personally felt exhausted when performing on stage. Um, you know, there was a point in time where I still was struggling with my eating disorder and I was working at a national theater, and it was a musical, and we were dancing every night, and on the weekends we did two or three shows a day, and I felt like death. But for some reason, that didn't, that didn't lead me to come to the conclusion that if I ate more and took my insulin, that I would feel better. Um, I think an eating disorder is a mental illness, and so we, you know, people who struggle with it and do struggle now, there's a disconnect between how we feel and the reasons behind it and an eating disorder is so strong that it um, it mentally uh, incapacitates our ability to make the the correct judgments and how to fuel our bodies and take care of them
1: okay so let's talk about the eating disorder diabulimia what is it and what tell us how you what it was
7: Sure. Um, well, diabolemia is is a coined term by the media, and it, it basically, that specific eating disorder um, is is in regards to type 1 diabetics who are skipping their insulin for weight loss purposes. Um, as you know, you know, a pre-diagnosis, uh, a type 1 diabetic loses a lot of weight. They get very thin. Um, you know, they're using the bathroom a lot. They're eating thousands of calories. But they're not holding on to that weight because you know their blood sugars are five to eight hundred um, and so when they're treated finally with insulin you know for their after they're diagnosed, um their body returns to a healthy weight, and um insulin is a hormone, and if if it's not used very precisely, it can lead to weight gain. Um, And there's a lot of education that is very important to have to understand how to manage one's weight with insulin. Um, And the media does a a very terrible job of explaining that. So I think a lot of type 1 diabetics, especially um, in the early teenage years and then early 20s, but um, I have clients who are in their 50s, they um, they hear this talk about how insulin equals weight gain, and it scares them. And they think back to what their bodies were like when they were not taking their insulin. And it becomes a very enticing um, opportunity for them to quickly lose weight by skipping their insulin.
1: And there's some interesting study now that, um, you know, we think of eating disorders being affecting younger women, but it's actually on the rise that people over 30 are being more diagnosed with these eating disorders from bulimia to anorexia to what you're talking about, diabulimia. And I personally listening to it think it is a very uh, provocative idea that you could drop weight very quickly by not taking your insulin, but it does have some very serious repercussions. What are those?
7: Well, some of them include death, unfortunately, to be very severe. I unfortunately know uh, personally a few friends and um, not clients yet, thank God, but I have some friends who um, their bodies gave up and they they died from complications due to insulin omission. Other complications that you can live with but that uh, limit the joy that you might be able to find in life are uh, severe gastroparesis, neuropathy, um, I mean, your, your eyes, the condition of your eyes can be severely damaged for the rest of your life. I know a girl with a colostomy bag, and she's not even 25. Um, you know, its it, I, I myself have a chronic nerve pain and can no longer bear children because of the damage that I did to my ovaries. Um, I also suffered, you know, I just like Jane Fonda, I lived a decade with my eating disorder, and there's no way to reverse some of the complications um that that are done to our body during that time when we were uh, not giving it what it needed.
1: How did you overcome it?
7: I um, got very scared that I was losing everything in my life that was important. And because I had such a, a powerful eating disorder, I really hadn't noticed in the last couple of years how everything was falling apart. Um, I had a really... Good slap in the face moment, so to speak, when I was actually booked to do another national show, and I was called by the the manager um, the stage manager, and he told me that he'd checked in with the last show i'd done, and i'd missed so many performances from being sick that he said he couldn't he couldn 't hire me I was unreliable, and I just realized that I had totally ruined my career. <laughs> And you know, and he said this wasn't you know, this isn't a diabetes thing, it's just that you're obviously very sick and we think that you need to get better. And I mean they didn't know I had an eating disorder, but they knew something was wrong. Um, I guess along with that my husband also told me, we were newlyweds at the time, that he didn't marry someone to watch them die. And I realized that I had to um embrace the idea of, of possibly gaining weight to regain my health um, or I would risk losing my husband, who was the best thing that had ever happened to me.
1: Wow, I mean, it's an amazing story, and I know we should tell everyone they could go to We Are Diabetes. Uh, that's the organization, and you, you you go out and lecture. You also just mentioned how you do coaching for these women. You know, a lot of times, though, Ashley, I have to ask, you know, people hear about these ideas, and it seems like it almost encourages it, unfortunately. I know there's a lot of talk about, um, the pro-anorexia sites kind of selling bracelets to promote eating disorders and it got totally mismanaged and out of line and it turned out to be like something where these girls were kind of supporting each other in their disorders and I just wonder like when you tell a bunch of girls about this at a diabetes camp or you know college-age women who are I think at a at a precious moment in life where they're more concerned about the way they look uh what is the reaction? I, I, I'm i just fascinated to know what you think.
7: You know, that's a great point that you bring up. And one thing that I'm very cautious of and um, have been given great advice by some of the uh, special mentors in my life is that I don't go into very specific things. I do talk about the fact that I did omit insulin. I do talk about that, um, you know, I, I misused exercise. I compulsively exercised. But Um, I don't give details as to how deep some of those things go because I'm very careful never to sprout ideas or share specifics, um, you know, in in prevention of of, of perhaps someone getting the idea and saying, well, I'm going to do that tonight. Um, And the other thing, too, is that it is very careful to choose your words wisely when talking about this, especially with teenage girls with type 1 because Hormones are changing, their bodies are going through growth periods, they're already uncomfortable being different, and um, they already feel isolated. And it's such an important topic to discuss, but it has to be done very carefully. Um, and, you know, um, it must be done with people who are educated to talk about it and not people who are just sensationalizing the idea.
1: And how do we talk to someone with an eating disorder, the people around them? I'm going to use my my niece does not have an eating disorder, but I'm just wondering, my mother's a grandmother, you know, her parents, her uncles, her aunts, how would we, if my, if, if my niece, who's in her early 20s, was suffering from an eating disorder, how do, I, how do I talk to her? I mean, I'm never supposed to mention how she looks again, because whatever I'm saying might actually ignite this again on her, or how do you address it? What do you advise to the, the you know, loved ones around the person?
7: Sure, and, you know, just to let you know, we do have a, a section on our website that's how to talk to a loved one who's struggling with diabulimia or diabetes and an eating disorder, just for anyone who wants specifics on that. But some things to keep in mind is, yeah, it is better to stay away from how you look physically. Um, if you're If you're concerned about someone and you want to, you know, show them you are concerned, um, you know, you can say that you look you look like you've got a lot going on. It looks like you're really holding, you know, dealing with some dark, I'd really love to be there for you. I'm here for you. I won't judge you. Um, you know, the judgment factor is huge, um, and that is one fear that keeps a lot of people from coming forward with their struggles. The other thing that's really important is you never should tell someone with an eating disorder that they need to eat more. Um, or that they need to take their insulin because that's not going to work, and it will make them rebel and hide their stuff even more from their concerned family members.
1: That's great advice. Well, Ash Brown, you know I'm all about games, and it's we're going to get ready <laughs> to play my newest game called They're All the Sa- They're All the Same Game. I'm going to list three different events in history, and you have to tell me what the one thing is they all have in column common. But first. Jennifer Lopez our diva inspiration is the executive producer of a television sh- show called The Fosters. It's all about a same-sex couple raising a family. The show premiered on ABC Family in June of 2013 and has been a ratings success ever since then. Let's take another listen from Jennifer Lopez courtesy of Sony Music.
2: It's
1: All right, here are the three things. What do these three things have in common? Bayetta is approved by the U.S. to treat type 2 diabetes. It's an injectable drug that works by increasing insulin production in response to blood glucose levels. Second one is our diva inspiration. Jennifer Lopez stars alongside Jane Fonda, who we talked about earlier, in the romantic comedy Monster-in-Law. She received $15 million for her role, making her the highest-paid Latina actress in Hollywood at the time. And three... Oh, glam more, fair less. Diabetics' official website creates a place of entertainment and education for women and men affected by living with or at risk for diabetes. What
7: do they all have in common? I have type two diabetes. I'm sorry. Do they have? Do they all have in common type two diabetes? I really have no idea. <laughs> Let's
2: call oh, a no. friend
1: and we. <laughs> That was. <laughs> it's time for them. We're playing. They're all the same game. Patricia, she's phoning you. What do you? What do you want? What do they all have? What do these three things have in common?
2: Well,
6: Max, these three things are all celebrating their tenth year anniversary.
2: Wow! wow. Did you know that? Yes. <laughs>
6: I am so happy to have been a part of DivaBetic's earliest beginnings ten years ago.
1: Hard to believe. That is I'm amazing, sure. Max. Congratulations.
6: congratulations. Wow. Hard to believe.
1: Thank you. I'm sure. And if Jennifer Lopez wants to share some of that fifteen million with DivaBetic, we would really appreciate it. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know my fa- my favorite moment before we move on to our last guest and talking to my mama Rosemarie was that you know when we first started it was designed by our our website. Was designed by Susan McCaslin, who still manages our website, thankfully. And it was just an online T-shirt store, which featured um, T-shirts that we were raising money for different diabetes organizations with. And um, because of the response from people, I was encouraged to get into outreach, which led to doing fabulous outreach events with Catherine Schuler, who you, we met earlier. Patricia was on that, and uh, Mama Rosemarie for sure. And uh, since then, we've started the podcast, and we've been able to invite all these new friends, including Constance and you, Asha, to be on the program. And, of course, Lorraine Brooks, how can we not uh, – she's such a big part of our diabetic family. So it's been a wonderful 10 years for us, and I, I hope uh, Jennifer and Jane Fonda feel the same way. All right, now, for <laughs> playing our game tonight, Asha, and helping us raise awareness for Deepabetic in a fun new way. I'm not going to say diabetes. You're going to get a new Naturals gift basket filled with uh, diabetic low glycemic tooth-friendly sweeteners, a cabbage cheese gift basket filled with an assortment of delicious low-fat cheeses, Dr. Greenfield's diabetes lotions and products, which are specifically uh, designed for people with diabetes with sensitive and delicate skin, and Spry Publishing is going to give you a prize giveaway. They're the premier publisher of health books and media, delivering valuable content on a wide range of medical subjects, including the fabulous book, The Complete uh, Diabetes Organiz- Organizer, by Susan Weiner, who's been on the show before. What do you think of those prizes?
7: I am surprised because I didn't even get it right.
1: It's all about raising awareness you, uh, Jennifer Lopez said you got it right She said get it right to kick off that segment Alright everybody yeah. guess what? Uh, Jennifer Lopez's Big Break came in with the TV Comedy series In Living Color Where she was one of the Fly Girls Do you guys remember that? Here's the first single off her very First album If You Had My Love Released in 1999 and If you had my love, Jennifer Lopez said one of the greatest moments in her life to Oprah Winfrey was giving birth to her two children, Emmy and Max. Well, you know, I'm not a mother, but I think my final guest can relate to that. Please welcome to the show our very own, we're so lucky to have her on, Mama Rosemary. Hi, Mama Rosemary.
0: Hi, Max. Nice to be here again.
1: Curious, Mama Rosemarie. We're talking about the red carpet at the Grammys. I know you were watching them. What was your favorite dress?
0: No, my favorite was Taylor Swift. I just loved it. I thought it was really um, very unique. I loved the shoes and the dress. I just loved it.
1: And what about, uh, she's got to be your peer, Jane Fonda. What did you think of that? Uh, Lorraine loved that pantsuit. What did you think of it?
0: Well, um, I disagree with Lorraine. I think uh, I would have liked to have seen her in a dress rather than a pantsuit.
2: Wow. She's got a wonderful figure. <laughs>
0: well, I think that she's got a wonderful figure for her age, and, and she showed it off beautifully in
5: that pantsuit.
0: But I still think that that occasion calls for a pretty dress for a woman of that age.
1: What do you think of how how celebrity fashion has changed? I mean, obviously, when you were a college-age woman, you were looking at Elizabeth Taylor, Princess Grace, Sophia Loren, uh, I don't know. How do you think they relate to, how do you think these current group of celebrities like Taylor Swift, Katy Perry, Nicki Minaj relate, uh, compare the two?
0: Completely different, completely different. Nowadays, a lot of cleavage is showing. We never would have done that back in my day. And also, going back to Taylor Swift, her shoes were did not match her outfit. Boy, back then we had to have the shoes matching the outfit perfectly. So uh, that would be the difference.
3: I love it. All right. So,
1: what's your uh, Glamour Fearless tip for February?
0: My tip for February comes from uh, Diva Baddick's good friend and under Underology founder and skincare expert Connie Elder. Kenny has participated in several demobetic events in the past. Kenny recommends having a good facial exfoliation the day before any red carpet in your life, so your skin is sure to look its very best. She said that this could be done inexpensively by just using anything from a gentle facial scrub, an enzyme gel, or a home microdermy, abrasion system make sure that you moisturize effectively after exfoliation your skin too the next day yours you'll see how your makeup will glide on and enhance your natural beauty so no matter what dress you wear you will look wonderful on that red carpet
1: great job mom thank you for being a part mm-hmm. of the
2: show well, hey everybody you. we're getting
1: ready to end the show but first i have to bring back uh... Runway, the real way. Catherine Schuler never told me what her picks were for the red carpet at Grammy night. Catherine Schuler, what do you want to say? What did you like on the red carpet?
4: I loved Rihanna. You could see her from the um, the balcony. <laughs> you loved Rihanna. I did, I did like that. I mean, it's you know, it's all about that. It's all about that to me. And um, I really like now. Uh, Constance Brownriggs,
1: what did you like on the red carpet?
5: Would you believe that I missed the red carpet? I was out of town, Max. What can I
1: tell you?
2: You're I was Beyonce's working. Dress. You're getting
7: Beyonce's
1: dress. Um, <laughs> Patricia, what did you like on the red carpet?
6: Sorry, Max. I missed it, too.
1: <laughs>
7: <laughs> Who's dress should, we,
1: who dress should we give Patricia to wear?
7: Oh, I don't know. Um... What? I was going to give her the shorty
5: shorts Lady that Lorraine
7: Lady like. Gaga. <laughs> I was going to give her Kim Kardashian's bathrobe. <laughs> <Uh-oh. laughs>
5: but, Max, I can tell you, um, and I don't remember who said it first, and I agree with her 100% about Pharrell. I totally agree with that. Didn't see the red carpet, but I can't stand him in that
1: little
2: suit.
5: <laughs> <laughs> All right.
2: <laughs> On that note,
1: everybody, we're going to wrap up. This is our big, glamour, fearless fashion show. You know, next month... We're playing Carrie Underwood on our March Diabetes Late Night. But tune in next Tuesday night because I'm doing my Don't Let Diabetes Kill Romance special podcast for the year. I want to thank all my guests for being on the show tonight and expressing their fashion sense with us. And thank you all for listening. Please subscribe to the Divabetic e-newsletter at org And check out Divabetic's Facebook page and my videos on Mr. Divabetic's YouTube channel. Let's end with one more song from our diva inspiration. Jennifer Lopez. And remember, every diva has an entourage, and I'm so glad to be part of yours. Let's get happy and stay healthy together.
2: When you roll up in the Escalade, saw the W game, to the valet, knew let it was game, when you look at me, pulling up your seat so I could see the rolly bling, So you later in the corner booth, raising up a toast, so I would notice you, but your heart's in hand, think you want to know, doesn't matter if you're falling out of control.